LinkedIn presents. I had to get out of my head about how the world works. One of the things that we're kind of like taught when we're really young is that there's only one pathway to success, which is to get a job. But at the same time, that's just not the only path. That's not true. If I would have been more aware of the different pathways to success uh, as an adult and what adult success really is and what that looks like, uh, I would have not have made the choices that I made. You know what I mean? I would have thought of the world differently. So blueprint is really to kind of just get out of your head and not just assume that the, the world works only in one way. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today, I have Yves Perez as our guest. What do you do? Hey, thanks for having me. I am the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of a travel tech company. Uh, it's called Work B&B. And, you know, I'm just, it's just such a pleasure to be here, man. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So. If you could give a blueprint of what made you successful, what would it look like? Oh, man. Here's the thing. Uh, I had to get out of my head about how the world works. One of the things that we're kind of like taught when we're really young is that there's only one pathway to success, which is to get a job. And I'm not going to say that that's not a good thing, but at the same time, that's just not the only path. That's not true. If I would have been more aware of the different pathways to success uh, as an adult and what adult success really is and what that looks like, uh, I would have not have made the choices that I made. You know what I mean? I would have thought of the world differently. So blueprint is really to kind of just get out of your head and not just assume that the, the world works only in one way, you know? So let's talk about money. What's the salary range that someone like you can make? That's a really interesting conversation. Uh, tech is definitely one of the most highest paid salary ranges as a tech CEO. You know, you could definitely get into, like, you know, eight figure, nine figure ranges pretty yeah. well, uh, which is pretty exciting. But it goes beyond that. If you are a founder of a company, and you have equity in that company, yo, like your life is going to change like forever because as you work with your team to build this company and the valuation of that, that company goes up over time, as the saying goes, I mean, you get rich on paper yeah, and you're able to get loans and other things, you know, on that equity that you own, but you can also pass it all along as generational wealth. And as black and brown people, we don't really own a lot of stock in tech companies. We yeah. just don't. You know, we, we may know somebody who knows of somebody who owns a piece of a tech company, 
but it's not widespread yet. So, you know, I'm part of a generation that's changing that, yeah. you know? So it's really exciting. Yeah, I was <laughs> just working with a client today and he got an offer. So his last job, he made about like 85, 90K. Now it's a tough market. So his current, the current job he got, he got 90K, but he got 40K in equity. And the best right. thing is, is he'll make the same amount of money, but he'll have this equity that he's not touching. Right, and it just sits. Yeah, I've seen people wait like two, three years. And then let's say it goes up a little, whatever. Now you have this huge chunk of change and now you have something to play with and right. it makes a big difference. So now let's take it back. What do you want to be in high school and how is high school like for you? Oh man, so high school for me was kind of fun. I was popular in high school. I was one of those popular kids. You know, I was kind of like exotic in a little way where it's like, you know, I'm half black, half Mexican. So people just don't really know, like, where do I fit in school? So I kind of just fit in in like all the crowds easily. Yeah. Uh, also, I was athletic. So people enjoyed watching me play basketball and, and all that type of stuff. And I, you know, I enjoyed my popularity in high school. I really did. The only thing that challenged me in high school was that I was good at some things and I was terrible at other things. I was terrible at math but I was excellent in English. And these were like some things where it's like, I wanted to pursue some things beyond what was given to me, especially like in the, in the form of like creative writing, performing, stuff like that. And in hindsight, I really should have uh, fostered more of that, you know, either joining like out of school, you know, extra extracurricular type programs or, you know, programs that were uh, outside of my campus. But would I do it again? Would I want to be in high school again? No. Like <laughs> high school is kind of like this mediocre education that does not prepare you for the real world. Yeah. You know, it, it really doesn't. You know, financial literacy, all kinds of things were just not like these huge emphasis so it's kind of like, you know, getting out in the real world, it's like, yeah, I could work a job or I could contribute my energy to this one pathway to success, but I was not educated enough about the real world. It's just, it's sad. It's yeah, really sad. It is sad. Now, what was your first job? Well, my first job was a service job. I worked uh, for a little hotel doing some housekeeping and some extra stuff because the thing is like, even though my mom had a really good corporate job and my dad had a great job, we were living kind of like a middle-class life where it's not like you're not poor, but you're not rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> now that natural progression of being a, a, a student and getting a job, one of the things that happens is typically your, your grades start to slide. Yeah. Know what I mean? Like you're not like a hundred percent focused like you were before you had the job. So my counselor calls me in and says, Hey, I noticed your grades are slipping. Do you want to tell me anything? Is there anything going on? And I was like, No, you know, I was just, you know, get you know, I just need a job, you know, I'm working. And the counselor made this assumption, and I'll never forget this. She said, Are you sure you don't want to tell me anything? You know, maybe you got a girl pregnant or something like that. And I was just like, what? Like, no, I'm tired of riding the bus as a senior. Like, I want a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I was kind of like rubbed the wrong way with those assumptions. 
And one of the things that I wasn't like really good at as a teenager, a lot of teenagers aren't, of controlling the, our emotions, yeah. right? I got emotional. I got upset. I was like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want to go to school. And I started to get on this like thing in my head of like, you know what? I'm going to rebel. I'm going to drop out of school. <laughs> it's like these little things started to add up and it became like a, a big seed that started to grow in my head. <laughs> yeah. So what happened next? So you, you're. Oh, the- man. Then I got into it with a, it, my English teacher. I'll never forget this. This is so crazy. Like I acted in this play uh, called Macbeth. And it was something like about, you know, like a, like a, a passion of mine acting. And I played several characters. So I understood the play very well. And my, my uh, English teacher, you know, out of the sky came up with this assignment on Macbeth. And I was like, so excited. And they wanted, uh, she wanted us to write a, like a three page paper on why we thought Macbeth was a tragic hero. And I kind of thought about, it, I was like, what the hell is a tragic hero? Like I never heard this term before. And I went up to her and I said, hey, I need some help. I don't know what you mean by this. And I'll never forget this. She looked up at me and she's like, you get good grades. You always get an A in my class. Just do your best. And I was like, but I'm trying to ask you for help. And she's like, well, I'm going to spend my time helping like the C and B students. So go talk to like somebody else. And she just shooting me off. And I went and talked to a tutor and I went and talked to some other people and they were like i don't know the internet wasn't really like a big thing just yet yeah. we we kind of had some of it it just wasn't a big thing yet so i was like well let me kind of like dissect these two words tragic and hero and it just didn't make sense to me like this guy's a pathological liar he's a sociopath like all this type of stuff so i ended up writing an eight page paper on why i think he's actually like a dangerous yeah you know sociopath He's nowhere near the term hero. There's nothing tragic about him. Even in his first you know, introduction, he's already plotting and scheming. So it's not like he was a good guy that turned bad guy. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, I wrote this page, you know, this big, huge paper, and she gave me an F. I was just insulted. I was just like, I put all this effort, and you didn't even give me like a grade for the effort. No, like, you know, and it's sad because she could have just answered your question. It would have taken like a minute. Yeah, she could have just... Yeah, let me help you. You know, we think the term is, or this is what the, the assignment should be or whatever. I was, I was just rebellious. And I, I told my mom, I said, I'm not going back to school. How did they and react? She was pissed. She was super pissed. She wanted me to get my education. She wanted me to go to college. You know, I wasn't really taking college, the thought of college seriously as a senior in high school. Uh, a lot of my friends went to community colleges and other, you know, like, yeah. You know, programs. I mean, there's so many different programs out there. Trade schools and this, this and this. And I'm like, hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, You'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. 
you will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. Why do I need to go to college and take on all this debt? Like, why do I need to do this? Like, it, all I'm doing is extending high school. Like, yeah. it's like, I mean, not to say that there aren't like phenomenal educational like institutions out in the world. Yes, there are. Yeah. Right. But I didn't have the passion for it. And I was already starting to just get like really pissed off by educators in general. You know what? Fuck it. Like I can make it on my own. You know, like I'm a go getter. I can, you know, make things happen. I'm pretty popular. So I felt like I could, I could work anyway. And I'll never forget this. There was this rap concert in Sacramento. It was the Hard Knock Life Tour. Jay-Z, DMX, Method Man. Oh, man. Smoking, you know, all of that. And it was on a Sunday night. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to miss going to school. You know, I already told her I'm going to drop out. But she's like, you better be at school on Monday. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, I'm going to go to Sacramento. I'm going to go to this concert. And she said, if you go, your shit's going to be out on (laughs) when you get back. And I'll never forget this. I decided to fucking go. I was like, you know what? You can't tell me. Yeah. I'm going. I'm grown. I'm 18. Fuck it. I'm going. And I went to this concert and I got stoned for the first time. My first rap show. Watched Jay-Z do his thing. Big Pimpin'. I saw DMX. You know what I mean? Like, it was lit. Like, it was a lit show. I got back to Reno. That's where we we were were at. And, um, you know, showed up at the house, you know late Monday night and all my shit was outside. I was like, was not playing. And I had to do the couch surfing thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How'd you manage the couch surfing? Uh, it was, it was rough. It, you know, one, it was pride because it was like, I had like my own room and, you know, nice furniture and nice house. And all of a sudden, like, I'm in other people's houses, you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm staying outside, you know, of like my comfort zone right? Like nothing is comfortable. Like people are going, coming and going in the middle of the night. You know, it was just one of those things where it was just like, I was not ready for the world. You know, I didn't have any savings. I didn't have anything, you know, so I had to like basically go out there and find work and, you know, slowly start to pull myself up. Now, what type of work did you end up doing? Anything I could get my hands on, you know? I mean, I was like working at like Restaurants, which are easy service jobs, you know, you can get tips. But when you get into a service job, you quickly realize that tips and that kind of job is severely inconsistent. It's usually based on traffic, the volume of traffic. Even though I was in Reno and the restaurant that I was working at was at a casino, there was like these slow periods and then these busy periods. Yeah, when it was busy, you would make some money. But it was slow. They would cut your hours and you're over here on the couch like poor shit. So it's kind of like, yeah, just the inconsistently, it always kept me poor. And then I went and got another type of service job, which was carpet cleaning, uh, Stanley Steamer. I was cleaning carpets. And I also realized that they were capping me. It's kind of like, no matter how much of a goal I wanted to set myself and how much I wanted to work, they would cap my income. You could only do so many jobs per day. You can only work so much overtime. And we won't let you go over this. So I was always 
poor. Like I was working, but I was poor. <laughs> yeah. And how much were you making, if you don't mind sharing? This was like 99, 2000. So minimum wage wasn't shit. <laughs> it was like four or five bucks back then. It was yeah, nothing. I was like, yeah, I was like, I think it was like seven bucks or something like that. I mean, it was, it was low. Yeah. So, and then the tips weren't that great. Like I'd probably make maybe like 50 to 60 bucks in tips if I was lucky. I mean, that's the other thing. When you start off, you're not. A, a server or a bartender, you're a busser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're the lowest of the food chain in the service industry. Stanley Steamer wasn't paying me that much. I mean, I was, I was getting paid minimum wage plus these bonuses. And again, like I'm starting off at the bottom of the food chain. I wasn't a carpet cleaning tech when I started. I was an assistant. So you start off at the bottom and you're barely, you know, getting enough to get by to barely pay your bills barely could afford paying not even a whole rent by myself there's no way i could have moved out on my own so you know even as a roommate and paying a roommate in the the rent at that time was 900 a month for a two bedroom i could still barely make you know my rent food my phone bill get my hair cut it was a very like rough go for a couple of years. So when you kind of catch a break, when you get out of the cycle where it's like, hey, I could save, there's some hope. Oh man. I mean, it took a long, long, long journey. And then there's this illusion that you've arrived. Yeah. And what what people just don't realize is like, no, you're out of this cycle, but you actually entered into another cycle. So what was the so, next cycle? The next cycle was me lying about graduating from high school and getting a job at Wells Fargo because <laughs> <laughs> it was a low level entry job. It was customer service being on the phones and I lied. I, I said, yeah, I graduated from Galena high school <laughs> Yeah, and nobody checked and they accepted me and now I'm making $12 an hour and I'm like, okay, cool. But the thing is, it's just another cycle where it's like, okay, I'm working full time now. Now I have like these things coming out of my check, you know, taxes and various other types of things. And I'm not really getting ahead. I have a little bit of extra money to buy a new shirt if I want to or something like that. But I'm not eating that great. I'm not saving that much money. And then I thought to myself, well, if I stay with Wells Fargo for a couple of years, maybe I can move up, you know, and you get to this illusion that you can climb the ladder, right? And what you don't realize is that there are people that are in the business five, 10 years trying to do the same thing, but they're only getting these incremental bumps that are like barely a yes. dollar or two increases. So I had this illusion of like, okay, I'm going to get out of customer service and I'm going to go into the branch and I'm going to work my way up from a customer service agent to a personal banker. Okay. Now I'm making $14 an hour. Well, guess what? The personal banker that I'm sitting next to is bitching and complaining because she had a $60,000 education from North Carolina. <laughs> And he's a personal banker making $13 an hour. And I'm like, what? Like, really? 
He's like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like, I didn't take out all this <laughs> debt just to get these. And, but, but, but again, if you think about it, jobs were asking for these credentials to get these jobs, these lower, not lowest entry, but like low, yeah. no, it wasn't really high entry level jobs. So, so they were asking for, you know, a bachelor's degree or this or that, you know, and it's like, well, I'm only making like $14 an hour or $13 an hour, you know? Whereas like me, I had to like start at the 12 to get to there. You know what I mean? I had to put in a year and a half yeah. already in the company to get to that next level. So then I talked to the manager who was making $16 an hour. He's like, man, I've been with the company five years to get to this point. Five years to get to $16? So, you know, there wasn't like a lot of hope. But one of the things that, that, that I kind of felt was going to be a come up for me was thinking about going back to carpet cleaning because I had remembered that the carpet cleaning techs were making closer to like $18 to $20 an hour. And I thought, okay, well, maybe if I can get closer to $20 an hour, maybe I'll start to see a, a quality of life change. But again, it's just, even when I got there, it just, it wasn't happening. And what I wasn't aware of was the cost of living going up yeah. over time. Over that time that I was trying to climb, that again, that was the, the next rat race, was that I was not paying attention to the food costs going up. The gas price is going up. The utility, the rent price is going up. All of that was going up while I was trying to climb. So I was basically at the same point yeah. at which I started. Yeah. Now, how'd you get out of that? So what was the first break where you got into, now I actually have, I can move up? I decided I wanted to get into something that I was passionate about, which you know made me pay attention to like, advertising. I always paid attention to like Super Bowl ads and when ads came out and stuff like that, I, I would pay attention to it. And then I got kind of interested into marketing and how marketing worked, but I didn't have any marketing degree. I didn't have any marketing background, but I always felt that I could be like a little bit like more talented than some of the stuff that I was seeing. So I thought to myself, how can I start my own business? How can I be like a consultant? I heard this term consultant for the first time. And when I started looking to consultancies, it's basically like, you know, you're just a, a hired gun, right? Like you're just a talented person or you think you're talented and you can add value to somebody else's business. So I was in San Diego and I had gotten tired of like banking. I got tired of, you know, carpet cleaning. I wanted to do something else. So uh, I started my own little consultancy. And I needed to get my first client. And my first client was a chef. And I was a big fan of him. I was a big fan of his restaurant. And uh, he got into some trouble where um, he was working for a celebrity chef. The celebrity chef decided out of nowhere to fire him. It was like in the newspaper, you know, Chef Chad White exiled by Malarkey Empire. And I was like, oh, shit, like this sounds horrible. And he's like, yeah, it's fucked up my life. Nobody wants to hire me anymore. And I was like, so dude, like, what are you going to do? And he was like, well, you know, I'm going to do this thing called a pop-up dinner. And I don't know if you ever heard of a pop-up before, but it's basically where talented chefs get access to somebody else's restaurant on an off night, like where it would typically be closed. 
and they would put on their own event and it would be like their own custom menu and people would buy tickets and go. And he said, I'm going to put on my own pop-up dinners and, you know, I'm going to try to see if I can make it. And I said, well, hey, I would love to do your marketing for you. He was like skeptical at first, but he was like honest with me. He said, you know, I don't really have money like that. I can barely afford to pay my staff. So I said, listen, you pay me a hundred bucks a week and you, you pay me in food. I'll do it. Right. And he said, sure, bet, let's do it. So I did his marketing. I did his social media. I did his marketing. I wrote all of his concepts, but I actually created his first ad and it was a really interesting ad concept. It was like an image of a beautiful, like a black and Ecuadorian woman with red lipstick. And it was only like the image of like here down, but it didn't go past her bust. And on her tongue was his logo for his pop-up. And it was cool. It was seductive. It was yeah. kind of edgy. And then we did like a YouTube video and we sold out all of his tickets. But what ended up happening was we won best advertising campaign of the year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like my first client out the gate. I got accepted this award. I'm out in front of like all these marketing professionals that are doing marketing for like 20 years. And we won best campaign of the year. And I was just like, oh my God, this is it. Like I'm going to be rich and famous. All these clients are going to, it didn't work out like that. It was like, they were like, oh, good job. And I was like, so you guys want to work with me? And they're like, well, no, you're like an individual. You're not like an ad shop. You don't have any staff. Like, we can't risk our account on, you know, a guy who got lucky, you know? <laughs> so, so I basically got shut down and for like a couple of years, like I really struggled at that too. So, you know, the whole concept of overnight success just did not happen for me. I don't think it happens to a lot of people. No, uh-uh. it was cool. It, you know, it was cool to add on my resume. People knew me. Oh, you're the guy that did the pop-up marketing. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I did that campaign. Oh, my God, that was so great. But I was poor. Again, like, it was just like, I was just poor. So yeah. it was rough. So what happened after that few years of doing that? How'd you move up? I tried starting another business, failed at that business. I tried another business that I thought would be hot. It was like before we work, you know, yeah. like I, I tried to open like a co-working space. And that failed. Nobody, you know, like was on the co-working thing yet. I was yeah. too early. <laughs> yeah. I was trying a lot of things because I wanted to, one, attempt to be an entrepreneur. And the reason that really got me going with that was I read a book called The Millionaire Mind. And I don't know if you ever heard of The Millionaire Mind, but it's like a, a really interesting book. It's like based on a survey of millionaires. And out of this survey, something like 70 something percent of millionaires had either dropped out of college or dropped out of high school and started their own businesses. I was like, yo, if I could get on that tip of like catching that wave of being a successful entrepreneur and creating my own hours and creating my own wage and all that type of stuff, I want to try that. I want to do that. So I failed at again and again and again. Then I went back into service jobs. Then out of like the sky, my mom calls and says, hey, 
my little Airbnb business in Reno is popping off. There's this company that paid me, you know, a lot of money to open up a bunch of rentals for them because they're relocating to Reno. Can you come and help me? I bought you a plane ticket. I need you to come tomorrow. And I was like, what? You know, I was trying to pretend like I was busy. Like yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I got things to do. And she's like, no, I need you to come help. And I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm ever going to be invited to Thanksgiving ever again, I better get on this fucking plane and get off <laughs> over here. So I went up there. And at first, I just thought I was going to help her like move into some some rentals and set up some furniture and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever been to an Airbnb before, but you know, we're yeah. just setting them up. And then she's like, well, you're good at marketing. Can you help me get more clients like this? And I was like, okay, well... I'll give it a shot. I'll look into it. And what I noticed was a pattern. And I started to look at these patterns and this data was telling me like the pattern was continuing that 65% of her bookings were not vacations at all. For like a two-year period, there were these longer stays that were coming to her rentals that were workers. They were like traveling for work. And I was like, did you know this? And she was like, no. And I was like, you should think about getting into this seriously. Like you're calling your rentals vacation rentals. You're you're only listed on Airbnb. I said, you should really reconsider this from a marketing perspective of like marketing specifically to them. And what I had learned from like the pop-up thing was like, you have to know your client persona. Whoever's going to buy an $80 ticket to go out and eat dinner, you have to market to only them. So that's what I did. I used my marketing skills and I helped my mom with her business. And what we really did smart was one thing. It was mainly one thing. We stopped calling them vacation rentals and we started calling them workforce rentals. And once we did that, we were over flooded with demand and I helped my mom become the number one short-term rental operator in Northern Nevada with 45 rentals. Like we scaled up 300% in revenue. I made my mom a million. (laughs) I was like, oh shit. Her and I were on the front page of a newspaper, you know, chilling, you know, black power, you know, (laughs) and and it was wild. It was lit. That was the moment where my skill set hit. And that was the overnight success from failing all those times. Oh, yeah, it was it it was crazy. And, And really what made it overnight, too, was the fact that COVID hit. We were hitting on all cylinders. And then boom, here's a shutdown. So all the vacation travel dried up. Like nobody was traveling except workers. If anybody remembers this, if you were going out to the grocery store, you would see construction people working. Mm. You would see all this shit going on. So these workers were traveling double time now. And when they were Googling workforce housing, they would see workforce rentals in Reno And they would, oh, this is where I should book. This is where I should stay. So we were basically 95% occupied where vacation rentals were 
a zero percent occupancy. Yeah. We made all this money, things were popping, but then, you know, here's the thing about success. Some people can handle it and some can't. My mom was struggling with success because it was like more money, more problems. It was just like more, you know, supplies she had to buy, more inventory she needed to get, more marketing dollars that I was telling her to spend. And she had never like went through any kind of like formal education on business management and all this type of stuff. So it was like a lot for her to manage. And I told her, you need to scale up to a hundred units. Like you're going to be like a multi-millionaire yeah. scale this thing bigger. And she was just like, I don't know. But then like the big thing happened to us. It changed my life forever. During COVID, there was a big freeway expansion project in our area. And this construction company called us up and they said, hey, we need a lot of rentals. We need like 20 rentals. Another golf course construction company called us up too at the same time. We need seven three bedrooms and two one bedrooms. Like they were calling us up like pizza ordering rentals. And then this big booking hit. I've never even heard of this before. They said, hey, by the way, we need a two bedroom condo for the site supervisor. He's our top employee on the project. And he's a little difficult to work with. You know, he's kind of demanding. He needs like NFL ticket. And he needs like a smoker to smoke meats on the weekend. And, yeah. and I was like, so what's your budget? And they're like 200 bucks a night. Now in Reno, Reno isn't like the Bay Area, it's not yeah. New York. So it's like 200 bucks a night. It's pretty good. And I said, well, how long do you need it for? And they said, we need it for two and a half years. <laughs> oh. And I was like, the fuck? And in my head, I did the math. I was like, that's $180,000. And I'm like, yo, can you guys sign right here? Just sign here. Like, let's go. But my business brain turned on. My marketing brain turned on. You ask questions. Get them to sign, but you ask them questions. You say, and I said to him, I said, Seth, how many states does Ames operate in? And he's like, we operate in 27 states and we're expanding into five more. And I said, how many projects do you bid on Per month, per state. He said, we bid at about 25. And I said, and how many of those bids do you net? He said, we net about a quarter of that. And I was like, so every single month, you need housing at this much scale for this long? He's like, yeah, we're the 74th largest industrial general contractor in the United States. We don't build McDonald's. We do roads, bridges, highways, rails. All kinds of, and I said, so let me get this straight. You do all this work and you travel a lot. What do you use to book your housing? He said, we don't use anything. Like, there's nothing for us. Like, we typically have to do 20 different things to get housing. We have to talk to real estate agents. We have to talk to brokers. We have to, talk to individual landlords. Sometimes we've got to drive through neighborhoods and like knock on doors to talk to people. Sometimes we have to look at Craigslist, which are a lot of scams. We go on like booking websites to see if we can beg people to let us stay in their rentals. He's like, it's, it's probably one of the biggest problems I've ever had in my entire career. And I said, if I create an app for you, would you want to be the first client? He said, absolutely. Shit. And I said, okay, I will only do this on one condition. You need to sign right here that you're going to be my first client. And that's what happened. He signed and the rest is history. We, we started to build work B&B. 
Wow, dude. I love it. I love it, man. And I love how like everything just came full circle. Yeah, I mean, that was that was it. It was like first client, let's go. Here's the thing about tech. I'm a I'm a non-technical founder, right? Yeah. I don't know shit about coding shit. Just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't apply your ambition. It doesn't mean you can't apply your your willing to go get it. And the best way to build a tech product is to build it with a client, to build it side by side, to say, you know what, here's what I'm thinking the user journey is going to be. A user journey is like one slide to the next slide. You know, when you're going through an app, the next page, the next page. If you build that journey with them and you get their feedback early, you're going to build a better product that when you roll it out, People are going to be thoroughly impressed that you did so much fucking research. And that was our journey was just to just, you know, take a lot of the experiences that I've had over in my life and apply it to this new opportunity. And one of the things that I applied was the ability to overcome rejection or overcome problems, you know, because entrepreneurship is a landmine of problems. Yeah. <laughs> problems everywhere. You know, I really took everything to the next level, but but I also did something even crazier. I basically committed my life to an industry that I know nothing about. I knew nothing about tech. The only thing I knew about tech was my phone and my computer, right? Like, you know about Facebook and you know about this, but you only know how to use their product. Yeah. So I really got into product immediately. And that was difficult. But now, fast forward, it's two years later. We've raised capital. Our team was accepted to Techstars, which is like college for startups. I like to proudly say that at 42, I went back to college. We built a company that is really gaining like a ton of traction. I'm proud to say that we were accepted into the NFL's Business Connect program. So we're actually the housing supplier for the NFL coming for Super Bowl in Las Vegas later uh, next year. And I'm also housing workers for the Formula One track and I'm housing workers like across the country. And next month, I get to put a web uh, a logo up on my website that says I'm a proud supplier to the NFL. Like, that's super lit. You know, investors that come and talk to me about my valuation, I'm like, yo, my valuation cap is $30 million. If you're not uh, cool with that, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's crazy right now. In this climate, valuation caps are like at $10 million or below. And they're like, well, why do you think you're 30 mil? And it's because I have a huge client that signed up from day one. Like all these other startups don't have shit. So come talk to me when you're ready to write a check. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. Now, one thing I want to ask you, how did you keep up that ambition? Because it's like, it wasn't like you failed once or twice. It's like fail, 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 fail. I think it's a combination from hardheadedness. I've always had a little bit of it. I've had a little bit, you know, even back when I was playing basketball and stuff like that, I was always kind of like, okay, I lost this one, but I'm going to come back and win. There's a little bit of that. You could call it competitiveness too. The other thing that makes it 
what it is, is also passion and really kind of just, again, like enjoying what I do though. That's actually the more fascinating part about this is that whether you call it finding purpose or you call it like do what you love, love what you do type thing. It's kind of like when you're forced to think that there's only one way to be successful, which is to do something that you don't want to do for money and so that you can survive. That's a very tough life because even if you do climb up the corporate ladder and you start to make big bonuses or whatever, if you have a hard time looking at yourself in the mirror or you just don't like who you are anymore, like I kind of feel like now you're poor in spirit. Yeah. You, know, you may have some money, but you're poor in spirit. And this path has kind of led me to be like rich in spirit, where it's like, yo, like I can get hit with a problem, but I'm cool with it because I'm grateful that I'm doing something that I love. Now, looking back, what would you say you're most proud of? I'm most proud of coming to this realization that I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. I chose a co-founder that was young and ambitious, but she needed somebody to see what was in her that I couldn't get people to see in me when I was young. I had it in me when I was younger. It was inside of me. I just didn't know it. Nobody fostered it. Nobody was like, hey, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? How can I help you achieve that? Right? As young people, we are technically kind of like told, don't pursue your passions. Don't pursue these things. Nobody's going to help you. You're going to be out on the streets if you try to do this shit. Right? And even though she didn't have all this huge amount of experience, I go back to that example of me starting my marketing thing and getting that first yes, that first person to believe in me. And we won this award together, right? So I really thought about it long and hard. And I asked her, I said, will you be the president of this company? And she was like, I don't even know what a president does. And I said, that's okay. I'm going to mentor you and help guide you into this role. This is a leadership role. This is a role of making decisions that we don't know what they're going to be until two, three, five years later, right? So she said, yes, we started to build the company together. And one of the things that I recognized was that tech is historically dominated by white guys, like white males, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you look at all these apps on your phone, a lot of them are all led by white males. All we know is what they tell us is this is how it should be. And I thought to myself and I was like, you know, we need more representation. We need more diversity, equity, inclusion. You see it now. And I'm proud to say that 50% of our board are women of color and we're 100% minority owned tech companies. And I love Sia. Yeah, I'm on the About Us and I was like, I love Sia. I love seeing companies just do it different. And it's a very interesting concept. And you know, it's interesting I was talking to a real estate agent and she was telling me about this, right? Like the nursing, housing and all that stuff. So I was yeah. like, wow, this is definitely something big and I'm, I'm happy for you. Now, I want to ask, 
if you saw your 18-year-old self walking across the street, what would you tell him? Oh, man. First of all, don't be out here chasing girls. Like, stop wasting your time. <laughs> you know, it, it's so crazy how we want to be grown, like, so fast. I would have told myself, you need to read more. You need to learn more about what's going on here in this world. You know, I would have definitely told myself, you need to get up on your financial education because not building your credit and not knowing how to build credit is going to hurt you over the long run, right? And I come from this place of being a founder where it's like, I don't, I didn't even have credit cards to help me build this company. Like, like I wish I would have known so much before to where I am now, where it's like, there are ways to finance and bootstrap a tech startup when you have something that's really hot and something that's going to change your life. If I would have just known a little bit more about financial literacy, I would have had a better chance at succeeding in different ways. And I'm like getting financial literacy now at 42. So I would definitely tell my younger self that, but also. I would have told my younger self, 18, like, listen, shoot for the stars. You can be a tech founder. You can be these things. And unfortunately, I never saw myself as being anything other than an athlete or a rapper or this, because that's where you see the most representation, right? So I would have never pursued uh, just again, based on, you know, like what, what I was exposed to, you know, and that's, that's challenging, you know, when you're trying to figure out where you're going to go and what way you want to go and what you want to do with your life. And I definitely would have told myself to read the millionaire mind. Like it's okay to drop out. It's not a bad thing. I would definitely tell my 18 year old self, like, dude, like, Hey, listen, it's not the end of the world. You can make it, you know? You just need some direction on like where you're going to go if you're going to do that. That's it. I definitely would have tried not to do the rat race on service jobs and shit jobs that would have kept me poor. I would have much rather been an entrepreneur with a t-shirt company or something that was like making some profit margins because I had some hustle in me. What a story. What a wild ride. (laughs) <laughs> I got to have you back, you know, when your company's worth like a hundred million or whatever. Some yeah, ridiculous I would amount. love to come back. You know, I would love to, you know, tell, you know, more people about, you know, the pitfalls of, of what can happen to you, how to overcome these things. You know, my story is nothing but overcoming roadblocks and objections. And again, like I'm just getting it at 42. I'm just getting to the next level. But I get to officially say now I'm in the NFL of tech. Like I'm a tech superstar now. Like I'm, you know, I'm in tech stars ecosystem. You know, I have commercials that are coming out. I have big numbers that are coming out, big, you know, new clients that we're going to be rolling out, doing different things. And I would love to tell people how we got to a hundred million in revenue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, I was here. I'm going to watch the journey. (laughs) <laughs> and all that. So how do people follow you? How do people support you? Oh, man. So I'm easy to find, you know, uh, WorkBnB CEO, WorkBnB app uh, are our handles. 
you can also follow Dajnik, Work BNB Prez. It's really easy to, you know, kind of find us. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very vocal on Twitter. You know, on Instagram, Facebook, you know, I don't really do TikTok. That's not really my thing, but we do have a TikTok channel. It's just, it's to me, it's like I'm in B2B. Yeah. So I'm talking to more clients on like Twitter and and, yeah. and Den and stuff like that. But um, also, shit, like we're headquartered in Vegas. We're going to be hiring. We're going to be growing our company, building on the, the tech ecosystem in Vegas is going to be crazy for us because, you know, tech isn't really known out here in Vegas, but we're kind of like, you know, really like leading the way out here. And also, you know, again, go on Spotify and all these other places and just look up work BNB. find this podcast, you know, find yeah. the next one when we come back. Yeah, I'm excited. So thank you so much for your time. It was great <laughs> interviewing you. One of the best stories I've ever had. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D. Last name, I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.